You are listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast. This podcast has been created to help you connect and achieve your destiny as a leader. For more information, visit our website at fcf.org. Spirit of the Lord. I don't know why I have to say this, but it just it don't seem to fit, but it fits here. Several years ago, the Spirit of the Lord began to deal with my heart to encourage a minister. Now, I was working for Brother Hayden at the time, and I don't know why, but God's always given me favor with ministers. I haven't understood that in its entirety. Got some ideas on it, but still, you know, not the whole thing. And in working, in working with that ministry, I had helped them a number of ways. But all of a sudden, one day, I was interceding for this pastor. You know what I mean? Just it boiled up beside me, and I started praying for him. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, Call him on the phone and encourage him. Well, I got on the phone. Here's a man. You know, I hadn't. I was in the helps ministry. I and mean, Brother Hagen had been in it, you know, probably seven years altogether. A couple of years in Minnesota and five years with Brother Hagen. I spent ten years with him altogether. And I had this desire to call him. And I called him up and I said, hey, Doc. I said, just want to encourage you to tell you. Bless God. Keep on fighting a good fight of faith. Stay after it. I'm with you. You know, just pepping him up, you know. And I didn't know it. But the man was sitting at his desk, been in the ministry 25 years, and was trying to figure out how to word his resignation so as to quit the ministry, quit his church. And God used me at that moment to encourage him, to keep him from resigning. And he told me, he said, he wanted me to come hold him a meeting. Well, it wasn't, you know, too many weeks before I went out there to hold him a meeting. When he got ready to introduce me, he told, he said, well, you can thank God that I'm still here to pastor today because this man obeyed God and called me. Well, it startled me. God placed such a love in my heart to help him. He wanted to build a youth hall. God gave me the words to write a letter just to his church, not to everybody else, just to his church, just to his church members. He had 200 250 people in his church. God gave me the words to write that letter to his church, and we raised the money out of his own church with that letter to build that youth hall and pay cash for it. See, I just helped him. Okay? That's all I was doing. Functioning. I mean, I could function and help somebody, encourage them, I mean, you function there, can't you? I mean, if that was at your hand to do, you could do that. See, that was what was at hand to do. So I encouraged him. Well, then he wanted me to teach, and I could, so I came out to teach. Then he wanted me to write a letter. Well, I was writing all of Brother Haken's letters. You know, ran his office. So I wrote him a letter, raised the funds. Built the thing, so, you know, because I'd been the one responsible, you know, keeping him in the ministry, raising the money to build the youth hall, he wanted me to come dedicated. Well, I went out and dedicated, and I thought, bless God, I'm honored, you know, and I appreciate it. And I, I was rejoicing that I'd been honored to be, you know, privileged that way and enjoy that benefit. And I went on my way, and I'd see him every now and then. And I was sharing this here one time. And one of our men that works as, an, as, a, as a children's evangelist out of this church now, that came in and trained under Willie and was on staff here at this church for a period of time, and now is our West Coast representative. He said, Pastor, he said, I didn't realize that. Think about that. He said, but when you made that statement today, he said, you know, I thought I ought to tell you. It was at youth hall having an activity that I came in, got saved, and filled with the Holy Spirit, called to the ministry. And here I was, enjoying the benefits and the fruit of doing what was at hand to do on back there. I trust we're making sense to you tonight. 
doing what is at hand to do, what you can function in, what can you do? So, well, listen, you know, all I can do, I'm a salesman. All I can do is talk. Bless God, go out there and talk to some sinners and sell them on coming to church. You've been given the ministry of reconciliation. That's part of your ministry. I mean, quit looking off way out there and begin to look. Who am I? What have I got? Now, as you come to a knowledge of who you are in Christ Jesus, there'll be more thrust opened up to you. But we're talking about beginning. All right? When you don't know nothing. Now, if you've got more knowledge, let me tell you, you got more responsibility. And you can function on a broader scale now. Because remember, we're talking about conscience. Now understand this. I don't know how long I've been going, but anyway. In that word, there is a word there in that 1 Corinthians 8. And the word is conscience. Okay? You'll also find it in Romans 14. And how many of you realize that whatsoever is not a faith is sin? Okay? then when you're talking about spiritual things, that's for sure, isn't it? But did you ever realize that, that that can be of the natural also? If a person can't do what they've got knowledge of, if they have to do contrary to what they have knowledge of, you make them sin against themselves. Not sin against God, but it's an indictment against them. And it's a damage to their own conscience. You follow me? Now, let's deal with that just a moment. Let's take the word conscience and break it down. The word conscience is made up of two basic words, co-science. Co meaning two, science meaning knowledge. So there's two kinds of knowledge. One comes through the five senses. The other one comes through the Word of God. All right? As you go along in life, you're going to have to function where you are in the natural if that's all you've got in the natural, you begin there. And by giving people the truth, see, I don't have a right to come along and violate somebody else's conscience. Okay? And if you get into Romans there, in Romans 14, you'll find out that there's this big conflict over the conscience. Okay? There's a frustration there. One man says, hey, eat nothing but vegetables. Another man says, hey, eat anything. Isn't that right? Isn't that the conflict that's going on there? This conflict is going on. And for one man, if he says, listen, now what's the key to it? He's got knowledge of the natural. The natural says, listen, I can't eat any pig because that pig's a scavenger. And everything that goes to his stomach in 24 hours, that's what he becomes. Within 24 hours' time, that's manifested in his flesh. And so therefore, if he's a scavenger and eats something rotten, then that pig's going to become rotten in his flesh within 24 you following that? He has that knowledge. And for you to come along and tell him, listen, you need anything, unless he has knowledge of the Word of God, then it will violate his conscience. Now, you don't have a right to come along and tell him, listen, you dumb turkey, eat the pig. You following me? What you have a right to do is tell him the truth. And the truth declares... Very simply, that anything that is offered in thanks 
by the word of God and prayer. Thanksgiving, that it's sanctified. Therefore, that means you could eat anything. But if a man don't have that knowledge, and you make him eat without that knowledge, then you cause him to sin. Now, how important is the conscience then? Okay? Say, what's all this got to do with finding your place in the ministry? Just a whole bunch. Just a whole bunch. Because unless you tell him the truth, then the only thing he can do is function in the natural. Until you begin to tell him the truth that he is the righteousness of God in Christ, that he is more than a conqueror, that he can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth him. You see, in his mind, in his knowledge, hey, I can't do nothing. And for you to try to make him do something when he's held by that knowledge, you're going to frustrate him. You're going to cause him to sin. And you've done wrong then. Say, well, what will I do? Give him the truth. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. When my pastor said to me, a certain statement. See, I'd worked there in the church, and the power of God had been in manifestation, things had happened. One time, Brother Hagin come in off the road, and he made this statement to me. He said, what are you going to do? Asked me this question. I said, well, I said, I'm open and available. Let's God, while you're out on the road, you find some church that needs a good music director, I'm available. Couldn't read music, but I was excited. He's fixing to go to Minnesota. I said to him, well, if you get up there and they, they need a music director, you let me know. He's all oh, they got one. I said, you don't know. He said, yeah, they had a good one last time I was there and they hadn't lost him, so I'm sure everything's all right. I said, you don't know. And so we had this, you know, two-minute debate on whether the guy was there or not. I didn't know either. You know, but the man's got his hopes up. And come to find out, the fellow just left. So they called me up and asked me to come up there and try out. Well, I went to my pastor, you know what I mean? I'm not used to knowing whether it's the will of God, you know what I mean? I'm endeavoring to follow after doing what's at hand to do. But I don't know, so I go to my pastor. I said, Brother Wood, what do I do? You're my pastor. If you tell me not to go, I'm not going. It's that simple. He said, well, buddy, let me pray. Well, every few days, it was so stern inside me, you know what I mean, that I just knew I was supposed to go. I mean, it just kept boiling up inside me. You're supposed to go. You're supposed to go. And yet, you know what I mean, I want to stay in line with him, you know what I mean, because I'm still learning how to hear the voice of God. So I said to him, every day, you got anything yet, Brother Wood? You, you prayed about it? You, you got an answer yet? No, no. You know? Long about that time, I was wondering who was deep, him or God. <laughs> you know? And I wanted an answer. It just, I mean, just climbing the walls, wanting to know what to do. I'm ready to do what's at hand to do. Yeah? I got to find my place. So finally, I tell you, I believe in God speaking to me so much, you know what I mean, what I had inside me. They said, take a week's leave of absence, come up and try out. I just quit my job. You know, went to Brother Wood, you know, I'd go back and get it back if I had to, but I went to Brother Wood. I said, Brother Wood, I told him what I'd done. I said, I believe I'm supposed to go, but if you tell me otherwise, I said, I'll shut her down right now. It's not too late. You tell me. He said, no. He said, the only thing I know, buddy, is you'll know when you get there. Well, I took his word. You know, if 
Faith came in my heart. I'll know when I get there. So I headed out. Went up there. We got there on a Saturday. Saturday night, they're having service. Brother Hagin's preaching. They asked me to sing a special, lead the song service, what have you. I do. Brother Hagin starts to minister at the end of the service. And afterwards, he's just talking to some people. Sister Hagin says, let me take you to the prayer room. they got a beautiful prayer room down in the basement. So we started going to the prayer room. We, you know, we walked down the hall, started down the prayer room, go down the steps, turn left, and go down another area of steps. And I look out across, and they had murals all the way around the wall. I look across that mural, and I knew I'd seen it before. I said, oh. She said, what is it? And I could tell her what was on the other three walls. I knew exactly what murals were on those walls. I don't know whether I'd been there in the spirit. I don't know whether I had a vision. I don't know where I had a dream. All I was, I knew that I knew that I knew. And that's what the pastor said to me. He said, you'll know when you get there. Are you following that? All I'm doing is what's at hand to do. That's how I'm going to find my place of ministry. So, I said, okay. Now, how do you tell people, you can't read music, but you're coming as music youth director. How do you go in and say, here I are? You know, that just don't go over too well. So go along through the week. They interview me on Wednesday. All I know is, is I belong there. But how do you tell them you belong there? They start asking me questions of, you know, what my qualifications are, and I couldn't think of one. <laughs> I mean, not even one. Thanks be unto God for a good wife. My wife spoke up. She said, he did so, such and such. I said, yeah, I did. <laughs> and a minute she come up with another and said, yeah, and he did this. And I said, yeah, I did. I did all that. But right then, I couldn't think of nothing. All I knew was I belonged there. They started talking about money. Man, I was so full of zeal. I wanted to do it so bad, I'd have paid them. <laughs> and, you know, a thought went through my mind. They said, how much money do you need? And I thought, I'd like to make so much. Just a desire. You know, no. Like I say, it wouldn't make me any difference. I, was, I belong there. That's all I do. He said, how about this figure? And it was the figure that run through my mind. I said, I'll take it. I was doing what was at hand to do. From there, I spent 16 months in Minnesota as music youth director of the church. From there, I went with Brother Hagin. Doing what was at hand to do. Well, what was at hand to do with Brother Hagin? Here's Brother Hagin. Been incorporated three years. I'm on his board. You know. Helped him, you know, with the corporation and all. But I'd gotten off of it that year, you know, that 16 months I'd gone up there so he could function, not have to have me for meetings and all. I'd resigned off the board. I was secretary uh, or vice president of the board. I'd resigned off. Knew I was supposed to go back with him. What was I going to do? I was going to go be his platform man. I could lead songs and sing specials and run the book table. So I had the glorious privilege of going with him. My wife and I both working full time. I slept on a cot in his trailer. My wife and I together made $55 a week and we had two children. I had a record that I'd made while I was up there and that record paid for my toothbrush and toothpaste and all that good stuff out on the road. And that's how we began. First year, we made $50 a week. The next four years, we made $55 a week. So five out of the 10 years I was with him never went above $55 a week. What did we start doing? When I went with him, I started selling books on the table, doing the platform work, making announcements, you know, leading the song service and then singing a special before he came, you know, doing the whole bit. Then I started putting together the names. I put together two, the names of 250 friends to start his mail list because we needed to start sending him a monthly letter. What did we do with the monthly letter? I went back home to my home church in First Assembly in Garland and ran it off on a mimeograph machine. Terrible looking. Oh, 
every now and then I go see some of those and just get sick in my stomach, you know. Amen. But I was doing what was at hand to do. I'm finding my place in the ministry. Let me ask you this. Do you think it was worth helping Kenneth Amen. You know what it went on to there? I started doing what was at hand to do. One day this fellow walks in. I'm in there working on the building. Had this apron holding nails around my waist. Fellow walked in and said, listen, this is great stuff I ever heard. I got to have the tapes, man. I'll do anything. Let me have the tapes. I got to have the tapes. Listen, I got a car out there. I'll tell you how much it means to me. I'll give you the title of my car if you'll trust me with those tapes. I looked at that car. Mm, mm, mm. There was no way. I mean, we'd come up with oil spots all over the yard. Just with it parked there, not running. <laughs> but I did what was at hand to do. And I said, brother, I recognize hunger. You take them and you send me the money. He said, I'm going to a meeting and I'll send you just as soon as I'm through with that meeting. I said, no. He told me, you know, I'd seen him at the meeting and he told me. He said, I, you know, this is my first one. I said, do several meetings and wait till you got a little more cash flow for your family and then send me them. All I was doing was what was at hand to do. The fellow's name is Kenneth Copeland. Let me ask you this. Do you think it was worth helping? There's another fellow. And all I was doing was what it was at hand to do. His teaching. First time I heard him teach, I thought, Dear Lord, talking about dries like corn shucks. <laughs> I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to it, went on. Actually, him and Vicki Jameson were doing a meeting in Arkansas the first time I heard him. I thought, my Lord, bless his heart. If he ever makes it, it'll be something. Next time I heard him, he had a message, and inside me, it started ringing. He's got something to say. Help him. So I started duplicating his tapes. Then I baggered him for almost a year to put this message he had in a book form. By that time I'd started Harrison House, he said, okay, go ahead. I went and got him incorporated and got him set up in his own organization. His name's Charles Caps. All I was doing was what was at hand to do. Are you following this? How? Do I find my place to minister? Is it worth helping? That's all we're talking about doing. Beginning to function where you have authority, where you have ability. God's led me to help this one and that one. I'll give you one more. There was a fellow who was involved in music. He had sang with every quartet in this part of the country. He had the most rotten reputation. Carnal. You know, I wouldn't walk across the street to hear him. I'm going to give you two bits for him. One time I was out in California at Chuck Flynn and talking to Chuck about doing some books for him. And Chuck said, listen, I ministered by the Spirit of God to this man there. Said, and he sent me a tape of some songs he's written. He said, they're dynamite, they're powerful. He said, I want you to hear it. Well, I'm going to be courteous to Chuck. I said, okay, give me the tape. I'll listen to it. He said, you might know the fellow. 
And he told me his name, and I thought, oh, dear God. That fat head. I don't want to listen to that. And all of a sudden, that tape started playing, and the anointing jumped off that tape on me. You ever had the anointing jump on you? I've had it jump inside me, and I've had it jump on me. And it jumped off that tape on me. And I, I knew I was hearing something different. I knew something had changed. I got on an airplane, started home, and the Spirit of the Lord said to me, he said, bring him in to Brother Hagin's camp meeting. See, in those days, I was running it and responsible for all the music. The Lord said, bring him into the camp meeting. All I was doing was what was at hand to do. That was the only way I could help him. I brought him in. He sang at that camp meeting. He got to singing one night about that name. And the power of God fell. Brother Hagin couldn't even stand up. I was going to try to tell him to sing again. And I couldn't talk English. It's awful hard to give instruction in tongues. <laughs> I mean, all I could do was, you know, and I, I'd point. He grinned and started singing again. Brother Hagin got up and began to prophesy the power of God swept through the place. Then the Lord said to me a simple statement, just like he'd said to me about Hagin. There's a parallel here. He said this statement to me. He said, the music he has is going to change the entire church world. He said, help him. I knew he had told me he had recorded, but he didn't have the money to finish the album. All I could do was what was in hand to do. I didn't even have the money. I said, but Lord, I don't have the money. He said, I'll give you the money. So I went and told him after the service that night. I said, God told me to finish up the album. I said, I don't know how I'm going to do it. God's going to supply the money. I said, what's the next step? How much money would we need? He told me. Two days later, I had that money for that step. I said, what's the next step? He told me. I got the money. His name's David Ingalls. All I was doing was what was at hand to do. There's no great big fanfare about it. Are you following me? Just doing what was at hand to do, where I could function, where I could help. Some people are going to make a big fanfare about a lot of things. And I'll tell you the truth. All along, that's all I've been doing was what was at hand to do. Because God said, faith came in my heart. And I said, all right, we'll do it. I can function there. How are you going to find your place to minister? Except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain. Let me read that scripture for you in Ecclesiastes 9.10 so that it gets down inside you. And it says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Say, brother, seems like there's an area there that just hadn't quite come together for me. How will I know whether I'm doing the wisdom of God or not? How will I know that it's wisdom? I wish I'd understood this scripture 15 years ago. I'm going to give you one that will bless you. And if you'll follow this in the days ahead, you'll have more victory in your own life leading you into ministry. And it's so simple. How will we follow after the wisdom of God? How will we know that we're doing that which is wisdom? 
say, I know to do what's at hand to do, but there's so many things at hand to do. And it looks like I could be, you know, torn between them. You know, which do I do? How many of you know what I'm talking about? See, there's a lot of things at hand to do, but now which one? Which one will be the wisdom of God? How will I know? Proverbs 3.17, it's speaking of wisdom. And this is a paraphrase of it, but the essence of it is this. All of its ways are peace and pleasantness. You say, well, how will I know? Follow after peace, is how Peter put it. When you come to that crossroads, to that decision, there's a couple of things at hand to do. Now, which do I do? Which one do you have peace about? That's wisdom. If you're frustrated, uptight, tense, that's not the wisdom of God. It's as simple as blow you away. Some of you could have made some quality decisions if you had just known that one simple principle. I didn't know it for years. I'd hassle over certain decisions, you know what I mean? Just beat my brains out. Oh my God, what am I going to do? Should I do that? To do or not to do? That's the question. <laughs> Climb the walls. Frustrate everybody else around me. You know? All because I don't know one principle. Follow after peace. Now, I'll give you an illustration of how God made this real to me. There are a lot of legitimate things to do in life. Okay? Good things. But it may not be the wisdom of God. I was teaching a series on wisdom here at the church. And I wanted to make that statement that there's a lot of legitimate things to do in life, but it may not necessarily be the wisdom of God. But I didn't have an illustration for it. And when I make statements like that, I want an illustration, you know what I mean, to where you'd see it, you know, and hang on to it and get the application of it. I didn't have one. Well, I come to the service without one, got into the service and stepped into the pulpit and they introduced me. And I want to teach, but my message is hung right here. You ever had something hung inside you? I mean, I couldn't get it out, couldn't get it, you know, it wouldn't come up. I'm wanting to minister the word. You know what I mean? It's time for the pastor to bring forth the word of God, and it's hung right here. I'm standing there frustrated. You know, I walk around the pulpit a few times, you know, slap it, make a few comments, you know, trying to wait for that to come unlodged. But it's just hung right there. Just crossways inside me. Man, I'm, you know, like a cat trying to figure out, what, what am I going to do? I can't get this out. And so... I finally looked at him and I said, I can't preach yet. You know what I mean? I might as well just say it. You know what I mean? I'm hung there. I can't go any further. I'm frustrated. I said, I can't preach yet. I no more than got that out of my mouth and one of the couples jumped up and began to minister by the Spirit through tongues and interpretation. When it did, the anointing shot out of them, went over the congregation. So people got set free. People began to rejoice. And all of a sudden, it's free. You know? I said, well, glory to God, I'm preaching now. You know, I started in preaching and I got down to my point, you know. There's a lot of legitimate things in life, but it may not be wisdom. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God brought this to me. He said, ask the congregation these questions. And he gave me the questions. I said, how many of you believe it's right to preach the gospel? Yes! 
How many ever believe it's right to feed the sheep? Yeah. How many of you believe it would, there'd be a point in time when it might not be the will of God? Oh. How many of you agree that preaching the gospel is legitimate? How many of you agree that feeding the sheep is legitimate? But have you ever stopped to think that the Spirit of God might want to say something before you did that? Because if the Spirit of God hadn't moved, they couldn't have received the word anyway. Hello. Now those things are legitimate. But it wasn't the wisdom of God. It wasn't the wisdom of God. What am I going to do? God hadn't spoken to me and said, Thou shalt not preach. Are you following that? I mean, all I got is it hung right here. No peace, no pleasant, just turmoil. Can you imagine being in turmoil over preaching the word? Say, I, I, I want to do what's at hand to do, but brother, there's so many things at hand to do. How am I going to decide? Follow after peace. You'll find your place in ministry. Somebody comes to you and they say, listen, I want you to teach either the seven-year-olds or I want you to pre teach the 15-year-olds. You can have your choice. What do I do? What to do? What to do? Follow after peace. It's that simple. Say, brother, everything in life isn't that simple. As far as God's concerned, it is. And when you start to simplify it, it'll change for you. Now, we could have gone a lot of ways with this subject tonight, but I trust that you've gotten a hold of something to help you head. How do I find my place in ministry? Everybody is in the ministry of reconciliation. And you can grow and develop. And if you'll begin by what's at hand to do, it'll be line upon line, precept upon precept, step after step after step until you come in the fullness of what God has for you. I've been in the ministry 15 years. And I, entered in, I haven't entered into the fullness of it yet. I'm not anywhere near it. There's some things out in front that's just downright exciting. And I'm still doing what's at hand to do. Oh. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Do why don't you just play? Hallelujah. Oh, Doyle just plays. Why don't we just allow the Spirit of God, just, just close your eyes and allow the Spirit of God to minister to you. You've heard some things that I believe will change your life. Hallelujah.
from water when they obeyed his command this was the beginning of miracles from things that they held in their hands it's in your hands you hold a miracle though not much
But if you don't even put your hand to anything, no miracle can happen. No life can be transformed. In many instances, not only can there be just lives transformed, many times God's endeavoring to transform your life as a result of it. I have to admit, carrying Kenneth Hagin's coat and Bible for 10 years may not seem too glamorous, but there's an anointing on my life that I could have received no other way. You may not value it. I do. I say this to you. I have something that no other man on the face of the earth has. You have something that nobody else has. Your life. Precious. And it can be powerful and dynamic for God. When you make that determination, I'm God's instrument. I like the words that the Lord spoke to Ananias concerning Paul. He is a chosen vessel. If you look up that word vessel, you'll find it means instrument. Instrument. Do you know an instrument doesn't have any feelings? This is an instrument. It doesn't care whether I turn it over play catch with it or throw it on the ground. It has no feelings. It's all up to the one who's using it. When's the believer going to become that chosen instrument? Putting the feelings to the side and declaring, I'm here to be used. And see, when people come into a place of pride, bless God, you're not going to use me. What they're saying is, they're not going to allow anybody to take advantage of them. And when you know the nature of your father, you don't ever take advantage of him. So what's there to fear? Yeah, but it's below dignity to go sweep the floors. Remember something Fred Price said about Brother Hagin? He said, I'd kiss his feet. I'd do whatever I could. And he's lived up to that. He's done everything in his power to bring money, blessings, and everything he could back to Kenneth Hagin's ministry because it brought him the truth. Where Brother Hagin went and served him when he had a church of 150, now that Fred's got a church of 8,500, he's serving Brother Hagin. He brings him $35,000 in people. How can we serve? Don't get to looking at the thing get to looking at the principle. God so loved, he gave. If you so love, you'll give. See, you're a pastor. you got people doing things for you all the time. True? True. But let me tell you, I love them enough that I'll go study and I'll go pray and I'll wait and get the mind of God and I'll make sure we're going the right direction and that nobody is being cheated. Say, yeah, but don't you know there's people in the fellowship that's gotten cheated? Yeah, but it was the devil, it wasn't me. He got in in some fashion, maneuvered something, did something different. It was never me. Simply being an instrument, doing what's 
got a lot to give. Say, so what do you got? You lie. You lie. Whole hog. I don't care what you're in, do it whole hog. You know what I mean by that statement? No hesitation, no reservation, no holding back. Listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast, where our focus is to help you achieve your destiny as a leader. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, visit our website at fcf.org.